0: The following podcast contains explicit language.
1: This is YOY, I'm Andrea Salenzi. And this week, something new. Instead of stories, we're dipping into the dating advice racket. I'm calling this new segment News You Can Use. Because the word news sounds really good next to the word use. News you can use. News that you can use. News you can use. So here's the scenario we're going to solve today. You open up one of the 45 dating apps on your phone. A stranger has indicated interest in you. Cool. You are also interested. Then the app directs you to send them some kind of a greeting. And now, what are you going to type? I present our guru, Helen Saltzman, from The Illusionist podcast. Helen, what are your qualifications?
2: Absolutely nothing, Andrea, because uh, grandma here has not been able to date on an app. And so no one has approached me with a first line. So I'm coming from a position of total innocence. But I am interested in the ways that people
1: have to start communications with strangers. It's a tricky little dance to do. It's such a tricky little dance that often the dance floor stays empty. But I think Helen can solve this. She knows how to use language like no one else I know. And together, we're going to figure out what pat opening lines are out there and then whittle it down to some of the few that you're going to want to use. Because a year into dating, there are a lot of matches I've let slip by because I have no idea how to begin the conversation.
2: Just tell me your pain. I sense pain from you, Andrew. What have you seen? What are the terrible
1: things you've seen? I see a lot of silence. So you'll oh. have this amazing match happen with something with someone not with something I'm not dating <laughs> it's Lance. Real They're not even human <laughs> to me anymore. Um, so I'll have a match. They're just pixels. <laughs> just have a match with a random boot and um just <laughs> silence. Are you do monopoly dating. Anything. <laughs> the problem is a lack of context. In
2: uh, face-to-face interactions, it usually stems from something else, like you're not going in cold. There are things in your environment that you can drop into the conversation or just say something boring like, oh, cold today, isn't it? And then you look for the clues that take you somewhere more interesting. But just on the apps, you you have nothing, do you? Just no context, no uh, external circumstances. I suppose you can go in with something really eccentric to get a rise out of people do people have like a stock line
1: oh boy do they like aziz ansari in the tv show master of none his character dev has an incredible opening line so
0: i gotta give you props i really enjoyed your opening message to me oh thanks be honest though is that a line you send to everyone what no i would never do such a thing
1: his line is i'm going to whole foods do you want me to pick you up anything It's a really great stock line. It's a little sarcastic and playful. It reads like something your thoughtful future boyfriend would text you. Plus, there's something specific in there that you can talk about. Food, grocery chains. The show's co-creator, Alan Yang, he told Business Insider that they came up with that line after taking a friend out to lunch who uses the apps a lot. This was the actual line the guy was using. And a room full of TV writers couldn't do better.
0: All right. (laughs) I send it to everyone, but everything else is custom charming stuff just for you. All right. All right. Fair enough. enough.
1: So that's probably why so many people end up Googling, what's the best first message to use in online dating? The app Hinge actually did a test of this. They gave a random 22% of their users the option to use a pre-written opening line. And then they could test these pre-written questions to see which were the most likely to lead to a reply. The top results were featured in a BuzzFeed article. These are the best opening lines for a dating app. And the ones listed in that article now show up all the time. And they are noticeably specific. Like, here's one of them. It says, Sunday priorities, exercise, sleep, or aggressive mimosas.
2: How is a mimosa aggressive?
1: You're drinking them just really violently. Right,
2: well... Throwing it all over
1: yourself. But the aggression is all from you. It's not from the mimosa.
2: I feel like the mimosa is is a neutral or possibly even passive actor in this situation
1: but wouldn't it be a more boring question without the word aggressive in there yes but
2: then maybe you need to build on aggressive like aggressive genuflection suggesting that you're doing some um, vigorous catholicism on the sunday <laughs> and that would give you a little more information
1: what were the other options exercise
2: sleep or aggressive mimosas how about aggressive sleep that's an interesting concept aggressive exercise is fairly easy to picture like a Thaibo class. But maybe they all need adjectives. If you've got aggressive mimosas, melancholic exercise, turbulent sleep.
1: Here's another one. It's a top performing question on the dating app Hinge. Mm-hmm. Better discovery, colon, Netflix or avocados?
2: Well, Netflix is not a discovery. It's an invention. <laughs> uh, in my life, I would say Netflix, it had a more profound effect but also because avocados we get in britain are never ripe whereas netflix <laughs> is always ripe yes um but I th- i'd imagine most people can't choose in the people that would actually think that that was a valuable question and therefore i don't know whether it's going to reveal that much interesting about them because like where's the, where's the tension there really you you can like both
1: yes like it's
2: not a dilemma particularly
1: also it's interesting that both refer to something kind of Rich and comforting, an experience that feels kind of indulgent.
2: Yeah, indulgent, but not necessarily bad for you because there's a lot of good material on Netflix and avocados are nutritional.
1: Two truths and a lie ready, set, go. (laughs) (laughs) This one was found to improve your response likelihood by 31%. I do have
2: a lie ready to go for pretty much any scenario. But I very rarely lie. What is that? I'm always thinking, if I need to lie my way out of this, how would I do it? And yet, <laughs> that situation almost never arises.
1: I often reply with all lies. I've done do this you? before. <laughs> <laughs> I was the Nirvana baby.
2: I heard that. <laughs> it's why, it's why uh, you're always reaching out to grab some money, even in adulthood.
1: Pain reliever personality. Advil, Tylenol, or Complaining.
2: Are they saying, are you more of a, like a neurosuppressant or an anti-inflammatory <laughs> or a complainer? Like, also, what if you complain and take a Tylenol?
1: Right. I really probably won't take a Tylenol without having complained.
2: This is the thing that I dislike when people will come up and say something like, would you rather fight a hundred duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? Like, I don't care. What does it say about me as a person? Nothing. It doesn't reveal anything. So I think these questions ought to reveal something because at the moment, they're not really icebreakers. They're just really like, here's some ice. Now here's another patch of ice.
1: <laughs> so then why not just do, hey, why not do one of the most common pickup or opening lines? Hey, how's it going? I suppose because it seems a little bit
2: unimaginative. And is that the first impression you want to make? But on the other hand, if you innovate, you might be alienating someone from the start because you've been too wacky or you've accidentally touched on something that uh, upsets them. Or, you know, I suppose by being specific, you are narrowing down your potential matches. But by just saying, hey, how's it going? An automaton could say that.
1: I guess it's saving time and effort. The way that I phrase it,
2: when um, I have to have conversations with people I barely know, is, um, hard day at the office, dear. <laughs> I love that. That would be a very good opening line to throw out there. If you were a 50s housewife, then it would be a bit too close to just every day. But now, as long as people understand that there's some kind of irony, or like you, you, that you're playing with the form, not that you think you already know them and you know that they work in an office, because then like, How do they be like, what? have they... Where's this coming from?
1: Also, it's just nice to hear the word dear. No one yeah. calls me that. Oh, I would, but it just would sound condescending, I think. And I don't want to sound condescending towards you. So what about this? This mm-hmm. is one of the tropes. Yeah. You just say the person's name. You're like, Helen. And then you add an exclamation point at and the end. I'd feel compelled to go, hi. Yes. Or hi,
2: question mark. Uh, Or or would I throw out a completely different name, just like a random name? Salvador? (laughs) Is that you? Yeah, it
1: gives you a setup for an energetic conversation.
2: I guess. So what that's doing is saying to somebody, I've opened the lines of communication, but I haven't actually communicated anything yet. So the next step is up to you.
1: Yeah, you're just expressing enthusiasm for the match.
2: But you're also obligating somebody to do the work that you have failed to do in actually coming up with a, a... Conversation start.
1: Okay, here's a Hannibal Burris line. Okay. From a video he did for Vanity Fair. He just said, "Come over." <laughs> Come over.
2: That is forward. I wonder how much that worked. I think it's funny. Yeah. Well, it depends on whether you you think it's funny or whether you think it's too direct and too presumptuous
1: and sleazy. Then Eric Andre added, "Hurry." <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hurry! <laughs> Hurry. <laughs> so, like, bring hand sanitizer.
1: <laughs> so, I, and, a, and a mop and a shovel. It's like we're going to discuss our intentions here right from the beginning, and we're also making a joke about Tinder as an mm. idea of the hookup app.
2: Yeah, and I suppose if someone goes, "Okay, sure," then you're like, "Well, guess we're in, in for some sex," <laughs> but it depends whether you really meant that or not.
1: Yeah, best case scenario, they say sure. Worst case scenario, they say... Or, or worst case scenario, they're, they're
2: just like furious at you for for just being so reductive.
1: And then why would you want to date that unsexy person? That's a good point. But I think it, increasingly
2: it's hard to convey jokes online and in writing. People just really miss the nuance. And this is sad for people like me that operate like two or three steps away maybe from the... Um, official meaning of our words. You know, you have to go round the roundabout to find out what the actual meaning says. So, uh, yeah, it's a bad time for me and my kind, the sarcastic kind.
1: Eric Andre also suggests this line. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Oh, my God, I'm so bored.
1: (laughs) Oh, no. No.
2: I like people that can solve their own boredom. But his idea is
0: that... That there is something to not giving a fuck while you're writing shit. Because women are like, man, he doesn't give a fuck if this goes well or not. I guess i got to go out with him. <laughs> <laughs> see, what, see what this is all about.
1: Okay, here's another trope. Let me guess. Mm-hmm. And then you guess something about the person based on their profile. Like, let me guess. You're not from Boston. Are you from L.A.? Or, let me guess. You're a Pisces. hmm
2: It sounds irritating, but also actually like quite a useful conversational prop because well it depends if they just say yes or no but then that's that's kind of a dud person anyway isn't it if they're not yes-anding it it's not generous spirited have you been on that one
1: i know i don't respond to anyone so you don't <laughs> just I, I look at their face and i feel nothing so i just keep my <laughs> mouth shut
2: what about if there was a text based dating service would would you find that better at this stage in your life
1: i don't think i'd trust it Okay, so
2: this sounds like at the moment you, you shouldn't really be participating in this whole process except this show has forced you into it. But um, I look at your and face... And I'd like to
1: have a kid in five years. But, yeah, okay, yeah. what's
2: well, planning habit? I look at your face and I feel nothing. That is
1: a chilling indictment of the whole system. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we're going to review the great ideas we've come up with for opening lines. Lines so good, I might actually start using them. We'll be right back. And we're back with Helen Saltzman from The Illusionist podcast.
2: I got together with my husband in olden times, where there was a lot of repartee before getting together because we're British. Dating didn't exist then. So you either got drunk and fell on each other. Neither of us were really drinkers. So like we hung out in like late night ice cream shops for months. Um, But... It would seem to me you want enough repartee so that you can feel reasonably confident you're not wasting an hour or an evening of your life by meeting them, but not so much that you get your hopes up. And then when you meet them, they're totally crushed because the mental picture doesn't really match the reality and you don't feel chemistry with them. So I don't know. How much is too much for you?
1: I don't know. Because I don't really want to be dating right now. I feel like it's
2: all too much. Yeah. (laughs) Or you just want it to go on infinitely so you don't actually have to go on a date.
1: I'll just try as hard as I can to get right to our issue. So there was a guy who was just a little too old for me. So I went right at it. I was like, just so you know, hoping to have a family someday. Not sure if that's in your plan. With all your withered old balls. That's what you were implying. <laughs> yeah. With, yeah. I was like, you seem like you have old balls. So I just have to check on this. And, um, and he replied, saying, I was like, I, and then he was like, wow, that's a lot, you know, like, oh, what a question or something. Mm. I said, I'm sorry. I know it's really direct. I just don't know much about you. And then his reply was, well, my second favorite color is orange. Wow. That's as intimate as it's going to get. He won't even tell me his first favorite
2: color. No, that's for when you're married. <laughs> Or he's embarrassed because it's purple, and he worries that you might you might be like, well, that doesn't sound macho enough for me. His favorite color should be trucks.
1: I'm so glad I said something about his old balls. <laughs> orange is just I mean orange. I, I like it. Yeah. It's a
2: good colour, but I also think finding out people's favourite colour doesn't tell you much about them.
1: What did you do in your thirties? I need to know. Well what if it was in
2: Medicine Sans Frontier or I'd love something? that. Yeah. Tell me everything. Yeah, but that's not what you asked, is it? You seemed, <laughs> you're like, Hi, uh are you I don't think you're still fertile enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> captain old Bulls, you didn't you didn't say hey. no I so was how saying... did you get to 40 yeah did you spend it doing good works or in an interesting autistic way
1: oh that'd be that would have been a better question yeah I kind of screwed that one up how did
2: you get to 40
1: oh how did you get to 40 that's yeah. good
2: yeah but if it's like just by sitting in the same chair and I let the <laughs> passage of time take care of it
1: so before I talked to Helen, I sent out a tweet about this topic, and a lot of you replied with your go-to opening lines. So here are a few of those. This first one is from Dave in Colorado. Ooh, great. Hey, picking up an old Sega Genesis on Craigslist in your neighborhood. Want to play some Sonic the Hedgehog?
2: It's got some nice detail in it, but if you're not into Sonic the Hedgehog, you might think that person's not for me. Mm-hmm. But then I think for a lot of people, they'd be like, that seems fun. That
1: seems playful. yeah. I think overall, that's a good idea. Okay, here's Helen. She says she writes limericks for guys using their name and info from their pictures, but she might be trying too hard.
2: I think so. I think that's too much effort. Also, I generally have always had a bit of an aversion to people using poetry as competition (laughs) entries or I just find it quite cringeworthy. A, A limerick at least is shorter and intended to be funny. But yeah, I think that is too much effort.
1: If someone wrote me a limerick, I'd take a screenshot of their photo mm. just in case I'm found dead. Yeah, days later. That's just way too much effort. It is way too much effort. I think also limericks
2: are not sexy. A lot of them are sexual, but in a parodic way. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I'd be intrigued by the limerick.
1: I slid Helen my phone. The kind listener, also Helen, she sent us a screenshot of how these limericks play out. Here's an example.
2: There once was a young lad called Sam who traveled around Vietnam. He tried on a hat and said, fancy that. I'll use this to show how cultured I
1: am. And then Sam replied,
2: I'm torn between the appreciation for your creative flair and the hurt caused by the underlying dig you've (laughs) given me there.
1: I think it's only a sexy limerick if you insult him in the process.
2: The trouble is just reading it aloud, I thought why it's so unsexy, uh, a limerick. And I think it's because I can always hear my granddad saying limericks.
1: And then the rhyme scheme gets stuck in your head and yeah. you and you feel
2: it feels childlike. It does feel childlike. I, I'm i sorry, Helen. I'm no on limericks,
1: OK, here's one from Josh. It It is also a little a little rhyme. Mm-hmm. Roses are red. So are some wines. <laughs> I'm not very good at pickup lines. OK, well, that's cute and self-deprecating.
2: It's a little cheesy at the start, but I get it. Yeah, that's not bad.
1: A roses are red. That could be a good one.
2: I think that is something to be avoided, but it's redeemed by the wines. And you realize very quickly that this is somebody who's not gone in sincerely with the roses are red thing. They've tried to innovate more. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right.
2: Not bad. How would you feel about it if you got that?
1: I have nothing to say, though. That's the problem. As yeah. I go, you've
2: obviously. Re- you've referred to pick up lines, <laughs> but you still haven't really.
1: Well, there's a difference between a pickup line and an opening line on a dating app. Yes, that's true. You've
2: also got somebody who I think is trying to get the benefits of a pickup line whilst also not wanting to seem like a sleaze. So it's good that they don't want to seem like a sleaze, but maybe they are still a little bit of one Mm -hmm. because they're still trading in pickup lines, essentially.
1: Yeah, that he learned that trick
2: and it's worked and he's reusing that trick. That one certainly sounds like it's not the only time it will get used.
1: Here's one from Ari. Ari. Puppies are mm-hmm. ice cream, just like the Netflix or avocado one. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't like that,
2: and that's partly because I'm, I just have this involuntary uh, sensation of like puppies mixed with ice cream, and like <laughs> fur and ice cream is just upsetting. No, <laughs> um, but again, I, I, I would want a more complex question that because I. What are they going to say? That's boring. When they're like "Mm, ice cream, because ice cream is is yummy, or puppies, (laughs) because puppies are so cute. Like, uh, who cares?
1: But no. But then Ari's found his person because that's what Ari's looking for. Basic, isn't it?
2: Ari's looking for a basic person.
1: There's so many basic people looking for basic people.
2: That's true. I want basic people to find love. I'm I'm not insulting puppies or ice cream. Thumbs up to both. But that's actually they haven't said puppies or ice cream under what circumstances it's like <laughs> if if you only had if you had to fire a cannon to destroy an enemy an, an enemy's armed force and you only had puppies or ice cream which you'd obviously choose?
1: choose puppies right
2: I don't know. It depends how hard the ice cream is. My grandmother used to make really hard ice cream, <laughs> so it was like firing an ice brick at the enemy. So that would probably be more effective than a puppy. But then if the puppy is a pit bull or something, they could probably do some damage. So and if it's Halo top, I mean, that just won't. Yeah. Eat. It'll just plop
1: in the ocean. Okay,
2: I've done a bit of a one eighty on the puppies and ice cream, but with significant uh, footnotes.
1: No, but those this or this style of question, they're really hard to move on from or yes. ever entertain. Exactly. I think when you're doing
2: these either or questions, you've got to give somebody an obvious next step. Mm -hmm. And that I feel, I feel their version of puppies or ice cream didn't do. I think mine did. (laughs) (laughs) Under what circumstances? I I, I still think that if uh, I was using that, I would die alone. uh, (laughs) At least it would be a diverting few minutes. I
1: am convinced now that it is ice cream, though. Again, what? Which <laughs> <laughs> <This> epic <specific laughs> battle scene? I would pick ice cream now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: Hard like a frozen bullet. And also, it's a puppy would die probably from the impact. Yeah. All right. We've sorted that out. So if someone chose puppies, you'd be like, no, you like dead
1: puppies. Goodbye. Here's Michael. Mm-hmm. I tend to ask what book they're reading. And if they say, don't read much, we're done. Well, uh, that makes him sound like a bit of a snob. Because
2: I I am very fond of books and I have very limited time to actually read them. Read a lot of internet, but that might not be enough for him. Might think I'm shallow, or unintellectual.
1: Also, I don't like that he is. Yeah, he's, it's a, it's leading with the quiz.
2: But I suppose if he also wants somebody who is a bit of an intellectual snob, so they can kind of sneer at how stupid everyone else is, then it's a good opener. Even though it sounds like a general one and quite innocent, I think it is somewhat biased. And then if you wanted somebody who was maybe a bit more pop cultural, then you might say, hey, what's on TV? So I guess you are projecting what you want in the other person through those seemingly innocent choices.
1: This is another trope I've noticed Mm -hmm. is calling the other person trouble.
2: Is that like a very gentle form of negging in the style of like a,
1: a cheeky aunt? You look like trouble. What kind of trouble are you getting into this week? Okay, so you look like trouble, I think,
2: is a bit judgmental. What kind of trouble are you getting into this week? It already casts you as somebody who maybe has quite an exciting life. So I think that is perhaps generous, even though it sounds a little bit cheesy and a little bit condescending.
1: It's better than just, what are you doing this week? Yeah, but then
2: if if the trouble was something like, well, uh, I'm out on bail for thing, I'm facing, like, three years in jail. It's actually really quite a lot of trouble. Yeah, you shouldn't but, tell them that much. No, no. It should be, like, some sexy trouble, shouldn't it? Like, too many margaritas, exclamation mark, I think is a bit a bit boring. But if you're like, well, I've decided to uh, sabotage my boss. Interesting. <laughs> I don't have a boss, which is why uh, this this would be quite an exotic situation for me to hear about from a stranger.
1: This one's tedious. Uh-huh. If you could be any Game of Thrones character, who would you be? So that would turn me off because I don't watch Game of Thrones. The dragons and the rape?
2: Certainly. Initially, it was the dragons and the cloaks, and then it was the perpetual sexual violence. So I think that sexual violence, like if you could choose a character who commits rapes, (laughs) and that (laughs) is automatically not appealing to a lot of people. Don't they
1: all? I can't tell. I don't watch the show.
2: No, exactly. We don't watch the show. So um what would be funny is say, well, I think I'm a bit of a carry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, if someone asks you about a TV show you don't watch, yeah. respond with the actual TV show you wish they'd asked you about.
2: Yeah. Yeah, what would it be? Which TV game show would you want to win? I think might be a more revealing
1: mainstream television question. So I asked Helen, what TV game show? Would you want to win? Well, in Britain, we have um, a very
2: gentle game that has been on for like 30 years in the middle of the afternoon called Countdown, where people do the longest anagram they can out of nine randomly selected letters and then a couple of mental arithmetic challenges.
1: And I You think haven't won yet? I've
2: not been on it. I have no real wish to be on it. But if you win, you get a dictionary. And the respect of your uh, anagram doing pierce I just think it would seem so wholesome and not be an ugly kind of competition. So that might work. Uh, what's your seven, Jimmy? Uh, coolish. And Kirk? Scholar. and Scholar. Well done. Thank you. See, we're conversing. There we go. Oh, see, it worked. It did work. Inadvertently.
1: Okay, so here are the results of news you can use. And to present it, I'm going to use the theme music from that game show, Countdown. It's almost like... Helen shot at being on the show. If you are someone who wants to lead with a real distinctive conversation starter, here are a few we recommend.
2: Hi, who's your nemesis? Mozzarella sticks, question mark.
1: Which TV game show would you want to win? If it's someone you matched with many months ago and you want to start it back up, try this. Where did it all go wrong? Or this.
2: Hey, what happened?
1: But this is a technique I especially love that you might want to consider. Maybe just lob the ball into their court with a very basic question like this one.
2: Hard day at the office, dear.
1: Or even just how was your weekend? You're just
2: serving with the opening line, aren't you? And you want that
1: person to return the serve.
2: And then maybe you you get a bit more technique into it the next time.
1: And if you're looking to just serve the ball, that opens up the possibility of the dreaded... Hey. Or even...
2: Hello, the first word ever said on the telephone. Is it? Yeah. So you're in the grand tradition
1: there. Just don't do hi with two eyes.
2: Yeah, hi with two eyes sounds like hi. Uh, like you're maybe stoned or you're waking up. Or you, and when you, when you sound too drowsy, I would interpret that as like they don't care enough. Like they're lazy. Like maybe I accidentally just hit I twice. Yeah. I, or like I'm making the minimum effort. Whereas well, actually in real life, I don't mind lazy people. I'm pretty lazy. But this, I think you should at least sound like you're sitting up.
1: Of course, that contradicts what we learned from Sophie last episode. Two eyes. Two eyes to make it flirty. We can't be overly prescriptive with opening lines. They're meant to give your personality the chance to flourish. So here's one last tip. I saw Christian Rudder, the OKCupid founder, speak back in 2013. Now keep in mind this is very old data. But they found that half of all the replies to your opening messages are sent within seven hours. There's a huge drop-off after seven hours. So if you don't hear back quickly, you might want to assume that you're not going to hear back. So just keep that in mind when you decide the time of day to send your message and when to stop checking for their reply. This has been
2: news you can use. Knows they can use.
1: News you can use. We'll be right back. And now it is time to debut yet another new segment. YY has started setting up our listeners on blind Skype
3: dates. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good.
1: And for the next several months, we're going to experiment by ending all of our episodes with the recordings of a blind Skype date.
3: So (laughs) you're also a listener of the podcast? I I am.
1: So this is a date between Molly and Jesse. They've never met. They both live in the Boston area. And they're looking at each other on Skype. She's wearing a fresh coat of red lipstick, looks a lot like a young Maggie Siff, and he's in a T-shirt in front of a pale green curtain. And it's going to be awkward in parts because Skype, but also they know this is going out on a podcast. So we asked them to start off by making their own small talk. And there are lots of nice moments in there.
3: When I, I went to the Women's March in January in D.C., and that was like the same deal. Oh, oh, you did? No way. I didn't way. see you there. I didn't see you there. I <laughs> <Huh>. That's
0: crazy. <laughs>
1: And then we asked them to start asking each other questions that they prepared ahead of time. So here is their Skype date.
3: So do you prefer cats or dogs?
0: I come down with strongly both.
3: (laughs) Strongly both. Okay.
0: Yeah. I feel like I'm really sick and tired of all the cat hate.
3: Yeah, sure.
0: I feel like you have to like learn how to appreciate cats you know you, you kind of have to get to know them
3: sure i get that did you grow up with cats
0: no um actually with an ex-girlfriend who kind of like had oh, a couple okay cats that i got places, all right so.
3: <laughs> i get you
0: so what's like a quality or a feature that you're that you find attractive that you don't feel you feel it's kind of unique to you and isn't universal
3: I really like when someone knows that I'm joking like from the get-go. I value like a sense of humor and I value like which is which sounds really basic, but I uh I value when someone can tell that I'm kidding and you know doesn't doesn't like look at me like what did she just say? kind of like a yeah. Uh-huh. It's just stuff doesn't That's always land. I guess yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I'm not mean, I promise. <laughs> you
0: don't seem mean at all. All
3: right, good. Good. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna ask you now what is your earliest memory?
0: I have a memory that feels like a distinct memory of my dad's office. I think that I, I inherited a lot of his way of thinking, for better and worse. Yeah. <laughs> so if you could hire someone for any job in the world, who would you pick and for what job? And you could replace the person currently holding that job, but it can't be a government official.
3: Mm, So I can't put that person into a government role? Right. Can I take someone out of a government role? No. And put them somewhere else? No. (laughs) (laughs) I think you could see where that conversation was about to go. Right. (laughs) That's a good one. I would take Terry Cruz out of whatever he's doing right now and have him come wake me up every morning and get me out of bed to get to work on time. Good morning, Snowflake. Because I feel like he would be like the one that could <laughs> do that very well.
2: What's that smell? That's lavender. Terry loves
3: lavender. Um, So I guess you kind of already mentioned this earlier because you said that you hung out with your dad a lot. So, like, who are you closest to in your family?
0: It's funny because I would say that now it's my sister. She's nine years younger. So I was an only child for a long time, and I was kind of a third parent in some ways for a while, and it took a while for me to relate to her. And then she just sort of became an adult, (laughs) and suddenly we were both adults. And I feel like we just (laughs) have so much in common. She really has been encouraging me. Like, I started online dating like a few months ago after kind of Mm -hmm. waiting for a while. And she kind of has helped me like get new clothes and you know she's just just, great. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Fun fact: I'm actually at my parents' new house now.
3: Oh, okay. Interesting.
0: I get happy when I'm here. It's like they found the perfect yeah. place. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> I like visiting my parents so, too. They got a puppy two years ago, so I go and visit like the uh-huh. dog, and he's always looking excited when I show up. Makes me feel good. I'm usually more excited to see the dog than them. <laughs> that's, not, that's
0: understandable.
3: Well, you have my Skype number.
0: Yeah. Um All
3: right. So. What are
0: you, like, are you, uh, Doing anything this weekend?
3: Um, I'm actually going away this weekend. I'm sorry. Um, okay. But I can send you my email address. Is that okay?
0: Ah, uh, that would be great.
3: Okay, sounds good.
0: Okay. Well, right. it was really nice meeting you.
3: Yeah, it was nice meeting you too. So this
0: was a lot of fun. I've never had a date like that before.
3: Me neither. It like kind of felt like a job interview, but. (laughs) Ooh, I don't. That doesn't sound good. (laughs) No, 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 no. Just like, you know. No, I didn't mean that in a bad way.
1: Just.
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay. Okay.
1: Okay. So first of all, how brave are these two? That was not easy. And then here's what happened next. Molly never sent Jesse her email address. And he started wondering what he did wrong. We might have nudged her. And then she sent him a kind note explaining that she doesn't want to pursue anything. And he feels better now. They're good. So this was the first and hopefully many dates like this to come. And maybe you want to give it a try. But here's the thing. I'm not a professional matchmaker. I don't know how to pair people up beyond age, city, podcast preferences. So I decided to call up a love researcher for advice. Joining me now is our past guest, Mandy Lynn katrin She's the author of How to Fall in Love with Anyone. Welcome back. Thanks. Mandy, I'm working on the ultimate, you know, fill this out and we'll matchmake you kind of a survey. It's not anything fancy. It's just a Google form. <laughs> and I've been trying to think about what goes on it to help us become matchmakers because I just want to make a podcast. I don't know how to matchmake. Lindsay doesn't didn't go to matchmaking school, you know, what are we going to do here? So what are your ideas for us? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. This is such a good question because I think people would benefit
4: more from having a more open mind about the kind of person that they're going to date. And so I'm, I've been trying to think about this for you guys, which is like how to help People find someone who's like potentially a good match for them, but also simultaneously to encourage people to be a little bit more willing to have like more flexible criteria,
1: right? Like, I've been holding on to some really arbitrary criteria for all these years, (laughs) and it's been interesting trying to check it. So, for example, I don't think I could ever date someone who's attended Burning Man, (laughs) but that is so arbitrary. It is.
4: That was, like, one of my criteria when I was dating as well, because my ex and I had sort of broken up, like, right after he came back from Burning Man, and I was like, I will never date anybody, which is stupid. But, yeah, it's a really arbitrary criteria.
1: And I think just the act of asking a team of podcasters to set you up with a stranger in your city, its you're going to be breaking from a lot of your existing criteria because you're not going to know what this person looks like. We're not asking anyone their height. I think we're mostly focusing on geography and the fact that you've heard of this podcast. But there's got to be something else in there like favorite television show or are you close with your family? There's got to be some perfect yeah. question that will just help us match the personality types.
4: Well, okay. So I guess it depends on what your goal is, but there is some, there like there's some interesting research that suggests that certain personality types make really good long-term partners. So it might be useful to try and like find people who have those personality types and like sort of put them together. One of the biggest things is, like, agreeability. If you're really agreeable, you're not going to have a very good relationship with someone who is, like, psychologically what's considered antithetical to that as, like, someone who's really neurotic or has, like, really strong opinions about something. So, like, putting two agreeable people together could be a good thing. And I'm thinking, like, what would help reveal agreeability? And it could be something like...
1: Would you consider dating someone who's attended Burning (laughs) Man? Well, you know what that would test
4: is openness to experience.
1: There's this really interesting
4: book that I have, like, complicated feelings about by a psychologist named Tai Toshiro. And it's called The Science of Happily Ever After, Subtitle. What Really Matters in the Quest for Enduring Love.
1: I am ordering it now because that title, I mean, it has so much promise. It's very compelling. And I'll tell you what I think is interesting about it. And then
4: I'll tell you what I'm like, not so sure about it. But he identifies the personality traits that are typically the traits of people who have long lasting, satisfying relationships.
1: So there's some personality types where it's just never going to work for them?
4: This is my reservation about this book is that it sort of implies that, quote unquote, real love, like long term committed love, which for the record, I don't consider the only kind of meaningful love. but Lots of people do. So it sort of implies that like this sort of love is available to some people and not to others, which doesn't sit that well with me. But... I suspect that the people who are doing their podcast blind dates are looking for committed, long-term love, and probably there are like good ways to pair people up who might both have a sort of natural inclination toward that.
1: That's where I feel like I'd I'd have some challenges because if I said, "Hey, tell me about your personality," or "How would you describe your personality type?" I wouldn't know if I should be matching personalities or if there's certain match personalities that are really complementary to each other that are good to match.
4: Okay. So these are the personality types that seem to make a committed long-term relationship. It's high in agreeability, low in neuroticism, and moderate in adventure seeking. (laughs) I don't know why this is amusing to me. It is. Yeah you don't want somebody who's low in adventure-seeking with someone who's really high in adventure-seeking because it's going to create all this discomfort. So, like, someone who's high in adventure-seeking is going to be like, I really am psyched to go to Burning Man this year. And someone who's low in adventure-seeking is going to be like, oh, my God, like, a week in the desert without a shower with a bunch of strangers who are on a bunch of drugs, like, sounds horrible to me.
1: So these could be good questions. How adventure-seeking are you and how agreeable are you?
4: Yeah, or you can ask a question that sort of gets at that a little bit more elliptically, right? So, like, if you want to know about adventure-seeking, you could easily say, like, would you ever want to go to Burning Man? (laughs) (laughs)
1: which I think would convey that. I kind of think it belongs on this quiz now. Yeah. It's would you ever go, and then would you consider dating someone who really cares about going? (laughs) Because that covers the agreeability part, too. Would you go along if it was really important to your partner? Yeah, that's a great question. I love that. So the really gung-ho Burning Man folks, I can pair them together, and then the like kind of I'd go along with it, people. I compare them together, and the no, not ever. This is not for me, and it should be for no one I ever date. I compare them together. Yes, I think this is so good. <laughs> it's great, and you kind of you know instinctually and and seeing photos of Burning Man is part of your dating app experience, you know, like Absolutely. it or not. So you're already asking yeah. yourself about this question in some way.
4: I'm really excited to hear how this goes
1: so that's it for our show today if you want to go on a skype date visit yyradio.com we have the survey link up there with the burning man question why not okay come fill it out who knows maybe we'll find someone for you and exciting news for our chicago listeners This November, the Third Coast International Audio Festival is presenting The Fest. It's two weeks of podcasts, live on stage in venues across the city. And YY is going to be doing a show at Chicago Theatre Works on Thursday, November 2nd. Tickets just went on sale, and we are so excited to be part of this lineup that includes Reveal, NPR's Code Switch, and Longform. I can't wait. So get your tickets to our next Chicago show in November, just visit thefestchicago.com. That's thefestchicago.com. Our show is produced by me, Andre Salenzi, with Lindsay Cradwell. Our editor is Hilary Frank. Our artwork changes every week, thanks to Teddy Blanks at chits.nyc. Our theme music is by Andy Miklas, Casey Holford, Lee Rosphere, Evan Viola. Special thanks to Mia LaBelle and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Next time on YOY. Did you know that, according to Hinge, women are more likely to respond to an opening message that's about food. Really? Yes. So think about this. Mm-hmm. You want to get drinks versus do you want to get drinks and appetizers?
2: Right. Or what if you like, want to go and get croffins?
1: Mozzarella sticks, question mark.
2: That's good. Yeah. Because mozzarella sticks, I think, is quite a funny term. Also doesn't specify a time of day. So you, you, you could meet at 2 p.m., could be eleven PM, and you also have martinis, and it's like the shape of little dicks, very suggestive, and it's full of like white. And
3: you dip it in. Deal with this yourselves, listeners.